This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. This is Dr. Donna Ganey, and you're listening to the Kingdom Hour. I am joined here with Arthur I. M. Waiting. Welcome, I Am Waiting. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Wonderful. Um, So we're going to be talking about a very interesting uh, topic tonight, um, we're coming out of the author's book, I Am Waiting's book, In Thy Mother's Honor. In Thy Mother's Honor. And um, I Am Waiting is a 72-year-old Marine veteran who has served three consecutive tours in Vietnam. Uh, he was there in 1966. 1967 and 1968 and he has shared his story with many audiences and he's joining us tonight again on the Keenum Hour. So we're going to go ahead and uh, get started and we're going to talk about uh, his book, In Thy Mother's Honor. So tell me, um, I am waiting, tell me why is the book actually titled In Thy Mother's Honor. I, excuse me, Donna. I was seeing a lot of, uh, during my years after Vietnam 
I was required to see a lot of psychiatrists, psychologists, and then uh, for a little while there, for many years, I had to see a trauma specialist because I, my PTSD got a little uh, overwhelming. And during that time that the trauma specialist tried to pull out different instances that happened during my tours in Vietnam to try to get to what was bringing on all my PTSD. Uh, he thought after years and years that he felt I should put this down and write it because I had never even told my wife and children uh, about any of my experiences in Vietnam, nor any friends that we had or relatives. It was just they knew I was there. They knew I had scars on my body, and it was a topic never talked about. So after many years of coaxing, I decided to put it in writing, and uh, then he suggested I put it out as a book uh, besides just to him, and hopefully it would help many other veterans out there or the families of veterans. But the title was derived as In Thy Mother's Honor. Prior to my going to Vietnam, my mother was eight months pregnant, and uh, she got a call from my where my father worked that my father had collapsed at work, and they rushed him to the hospital, and he died. So on that news, she collapsed, fell on her belly, and killed that eight-month-old-to-be-born baby. So she lost her husband and her uh, to-be daughter there uh, within days. Um, so about a month later, a month and a half later, I came home and uh, told her that I was, got my orders to go to Vietnam. And she broke down in tears telling me, you can't go. I, I couldn't take another family member being lost. So I promised her, I says, you'll never hear that the Vietnamese Viet Cong have ever hurt me or ever injured me. And I, I promised her over and over again, trying to calm her down. Well, while I was in Vietnam, fortunately, unfortunately, I was injured multiple times. I fortunately, I survived the injuries. Um, but what I found out as I was injured as the first time as a corpsman come up to me, if he touched me to patch me, he would have to report back to the system, and someone would show up my mother's door. So mm. I explained to him that I couldn't have that happen. I felt it would kill her. So he, through coaxing of myself and a few other Marines, uh, let me grab what I needed, take morphine pills. Uh, in a couple instances, I had to put some minor stitches in my body, sew myself up, and then mm -hmm. uh, tape myself up the one time like a mummy. I, was, I didn't realize at that time I had nine broken ribs, some cracks in my back, uh, that would be found out later on. but So he honored that and let me do that so that my mother would never find out. Well, my second tour and the third tour, I was injured again. And uh, the one time I had to do it with a doctor, coax him, and another time was a corpsman again. Mm -hmm. So when I returned from Vietnam, I told my mother, look, see, all my arms, all my legs. What she didn't know is she had never seen me naturally without my clothes, all the scars on my body. I still have shrapnel on my body today. Um, and I mm. kept my promise. Mm. I, I honored I honored my promise to her. So after I wrote the story down for the trauma specialist, and then I put it in the book, I decided to me that would be a good title for it because, you know, when you're 20, 21, and 22 serving in Vietnam, uh, everything was different to you. And I felt as a young kid, it felt more to respect my mother than to uh, maybe possibly kill her with the news. Uh, and what I didn't understand at the time was that when I didn't have the corpsman and the doctors touch me, I was avoiding my purple hearts. And this is something hopefully we'll talk about later, and that's part of the I am waiting title. But uh, my mother never did find out, so I kept my promise, and that is the title of the book. And 
if your listeners would hopefully take the time to read the book, I go into quite detail about these injuries, what happened in Vietnam, how they occurred, what involved, and all my time there. The book is broken down into many facets of just the poor service, my growing up, my military in Vietnam. And then since then, I've had uh, nine surgeries in the past four and a half years, all related to either rebuilding parts of my body that were blown up uh, during my injuries and or Agent Orange cancers. I've had four Agent Orange cancer surgeries, and I'm still going through those now. So. Oh, my. So it sounds like based on what you're saying, besides um, being shot and, you know, going through wounds, you were also in the midst of all of the battle and all of the things that were going on. You were taking care of yourself. You were stitching yourself along the way. Is that is that what that actually happened? In my case, Donna, yes, I did that every time something happened, but I was not the only, in my case, Marine or I'm sure soldier or airman. Many took care of themselves for different reasons. Um, you, sometimes you take care of minor cuts and that because you've got four dead laying around you and maybe someone missing a leg or a limb and you got something mm-hmm. that needed two or three stitches or taped up. You just didn't feel right uh, to say, hey, look at me. So you just took care of yourself if you could. And generally, the corpsman was so busy that uh, he was actually appreciative. But uh, there's many servicemen from Vietnam and I'm sure other wars who have taken care of themselves. I done it for my reason, and I had some extreme injuries. I didn't realize how bad some of them were. And my later life has uh, taken toll as all those things have fallen apart on me. I've had my total shoulder replaced. I've had my back all rebuilt. I've had my neck built and fused. These are all from being hit with a rocket, being hit with a mortar, and being shot. These were all, again, these are detailed in in my book. I try to make it as Mm -hmm. realistic to the reader so they understand what someone may have been going through then and it is now a family member of theirs or maybe a family member they lost or someone going through combat now. But whether it's their family or a friend or a neighbor, sometimes it's good to know the reality of what's out there and that's not what's on TV. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because I'm, you know, I've watched um, a few war movies in my time, in my lifetime, and you never really see um, it in depth as you're saying right now. I mean, I've seen a few times uh, in some movies where people get hurt and then they keep moving, but you you don't see the other side uh, that you're bringing out now. Um, but you know, I'm I'm really interested in knowing how did you come with up with the pen name? I'm I am waiting. How how did you come up with that name? As I continued writing, as I continued writing the book, and after the Vietnam, and I got into part of my family life, and then getting into all the surgeries and seeing a psychiatrist and everything that I needed to have, I started as I my mom passed finally naturally. We all have our day. And uh, so my grandkids said, I started, they started asking as they got older and understood, Grandpa, you were wounded. Why show us your purple heart? And I says, well, I don't have any. And as they got oh. older and older, they says, well, why don't you go get them? So I finally decided I would go back to the VA. And I've been a little over 11 years now trying to get my purple hearts from those injuries. And I have fulfilled everything. They give you a list of what you require. 
So I have fulfilled every item they asked me to do. In the back of the book, there's copies of the records from the veterans' hospitals stating that there's still shrapnel in my body, records showing that the chief of neurosurgery stated that the shrapnel in my body is from Vietnam, that my injuries are from Vietnam, the calcification and the impact on my body that was caused for that to happen. I've got letters from other Marines in there. I copied that, showing they were there to verify it. Um, I've got everything they've asked for, and I've given them more. Everything isn't in the book, but I highlighted some things at the very back so people can understand when I talk about it. I actually have the backup for it also. But So I've been fighting since 2005 and six, trying to get my Purple Hearts and then trying to recover all that paperwork from the military. I also noticed uh, back in 1967, I found a piece of paper that says, effective December 1967 promotion to sergeant. So I started chasing my sergeant's promotion also. I found that, you know, that I figured I earned it. I was a corporal all that time. I got promoted to sergeant. I want my sergeant stripes. I want what's due me. I earned them like I earned those purple hearts. My blood was left there. I've got the scars. I've got the shrapnel. I've got everything else to back it up. And then as, again, later in life, this all leads to the I am waiting. Uh, so I'm trying to give the full background for the listeners and yourself. But I was out of town visiting some of my children in California. One set is there. The others are still back in Chicago. And I mm-hmm. had some chest problems. I went to the hospital out there. I was admitted, emergency, and I ended up having five different heart surgeries at once. They gave me 20% chance to survive the surgeries, but only three to five days to live if I didn't have the surgeries. And I fortunately, God willing, I made it through it. Uh, it was a, a struggle. I was kept out for many days while they tried to get everything going. It was a 12-and-a-half-hour surgery with a six-hour break and then seven-and-a-half more hours with five surgeons. Well, all this come done, when I was all done, I fulfilled all the requirements of the VA and the paperwork. They still have not paid that bill of $1,789,000. And I've been battling since... February 1st of 2016, when my heart surgeries took place, to get that bill paid instead of hanging over me. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. as I closed out the story in my book, near the end of the book, I tried to say to the American government, you need, I am waiting for you to pay my bill. I did what you asked for. I gave my life opportunity for the country and for the people of the country. And I served as required. I am waiting for my sergeant promotion. Here's a piece of paperwork, and that's copied in the back of the book. And it clearly states, effective December 1967, promotion of sergeant. And then I stated, Mm -hmm. I am waiting for my Purple Hearts. I earned them, and I list all the reasons. So then I thought to myself, I'm closing out the book with this, I am waiting, I am waiting. Instead of listing my name, I thought in my mind it would be a, a, a good pen name that maybe the readers could connect with. Right, yeah. Yeah, that do make a lot of sense um, as to why you, now I understand why it is I am waiting um, as the author on the book. Uh, Tell me a little bit about, I I know you were trying to protect your mother at one time um, from hearing about your injuries. What did you learn later about that? Pardon? Uh, you were trying to protect your mother from yes. hearing about your injuries. What did you learn in all of that? How- well, you know, I learned 
again, as a young kid, I, I felt honored when I came home that I was able to keep that promise. But what I learned as time went by is that the government um, just basically, I'm going to say, ignored everything that happened to me. And I'm sure many other servicemen that I know they're going through similar different type instances because their responses to my requests for the Purple Hearts were just give us more paperwork, give us more paperwork. And you need to keep yourself documented. I was never told as a 20-year-old and 21 and 22-year-old, hey, if you don't let us touch you and record this, that you can never get a Purple Heart for it. You know, and at that time, I wasn't thinking about a Purple Heart either. I was more worried about the dead Marines and the wounded Marines to get the wounded Marines taken care of beside myself, not not the Purple Heart was a later on thing. But what I learned was that when the government, their latest refusal to give me my Purple Hearts was that when you told us you didn't want us to touch you, you basically told uh, the government that you really never were injured. You know, all my records list the injuries. Um, All my records show all this documentation you know, it shows the strap on my body to come back with such, I'm sorry, but ignorant statements to someone who gave his time up. And, you know, they're supposed to be there to help the veterans and help the veterans with not just their causes and their care, but in the PTSD. The more they battle and upset of that, the more he relives everything and they compound. So our government is compounding the issues they say they're trying to prevent for us with some of the silliness they put us through. Well, you you know, that's um, very interesting what you're saying. And I'm just wondering, based on what you're saying, what is is the cost to the government with giving out a purple heart to someone who earned it? Can you... It's the actual, it's the cost of the medal. There's not a nickel attributed to receiving that purple heart. Uh, it, It is strictly that it is to have a valor behind it to have a respect that you this happened during combat. But again, mm-hmm. I've got every bit of proof that they asked me to give, and I gave them additional documents more than they asked. And I, the best, and again, my book details more things, and it'd be impossible to talk about the whole thing. So I hope your mm-hmm. listeners would take the time to read this because I think it will capture their heart and soul. But it lists the different things, and it will tell you why each time the refusal was, how silly the refusal was. And, and again, that it doesn't cost them a nickel and that I fulfilled what I needed. And, you know, the VA is saying now that um, they are going to relook at paying my uh, hospital bill. That's, uh, I heard that in late November. And that's the last little word I have. They're going to reopen and look at it. But I was told by a representative at the VA in Washington, D.C., that my Purple Heart issue and my sergeant's promotion now needs to go to the commandant or the Marine Corps or to the president himself to get straightened out because the VA, they're saying, has nothing to do with those two issues. So I guess part of the reason I wrote the book, Don, is I'm trying to hopefully have enough people read the book and somebody may know somebody who maybe knows somebody who can say, hey, read, read what's going on here you know so-and-so, maybe you could walk into one of their offices and, and get some justice here. And, and it's, you know, as a private citizen who's not connected with anybody, it's just been impossible for me. The stack of paperwork I got back and it's up, the mailings, the frustration, redoing everything, and I just keep on back. I haven't given up, though, 
I'm still trying, and I'm hoping this book can reach the right person and the message in the book can reach to the right person to help me, but maybe help many other vets with the Agent Orange issues that I'm going through, making sure they get their proper care because there's so many as we get older, the cancer gets in us and it just starts attacking the different parts of your body. And so many of the vets still aren't getting their care for that. And that's, that's not, that's not good either. Right. You know, you know, it's uh, amazing that you, you mentioned that my father was a a Vietnam uh, veteran and he was uh, sprayed with Agent Orange. So I, um, I'm kind of understanding a little bit about what you're going through, but I'm not. Uh, I'm getting the full depth by listening to you. Um, you know about the struggle of it all uh, for veterans, and I, I, I'm hoping that um, by happenstance, maybe Trump will hear. Uh, President Trump will hear this uh, message, and I, I and forgive me for just on Trump because I, I want to give honor where honor is due. He is the president, so I'm just hoping that he will hear this message and that he will reach out and he will um, try to do something to solve your situation because it sounds like that you are well deserving of it. Um, and and you did mention that you wanted, uh, you know, that the listeners could do something to help you. Uh, would that be something like a petition, or what What are you looking for to happen? Um, well, I, I guess I don't – I'm not into politics. I'm not going to say I ever was, but all I can hope and all I'm – the few people I try to different talk to is that if enough people know the issues in the book, somebody – may know that proper person. And again, it may be a cousin's friend who might be an attorney or might be in some government somewhere who can then tell someone else or might know somebody uh, on one of the TV stations where it could get brought up. And then uh, and the, the top people at the VA or the president of the commandant will hear it and then say, I need to know about this and let's read it, let's, let's get involved. But it's going to take a connection where someone who's to reach to somebody in Washington somehow where somebody could walk into the commandant's office, the VA office, or the president's office and say, sir, I need part of your time, or ma'am, I need part of your time, whichever the case might be, and I'd like you to sit and go over these issues with me and see if there's something you can do because it's yeah. it's uncalled for. So yeah, I, I guess I, I'm asking the listeners if they would, number one, they have to read the story, but as they see the things, try to think, is there somebody that they know that they can tell about this or this can get passed on? It has to be like a word of mouth or if there's, they can just send a letter, anything. Send a letter to the commandant, send a letter to the VA, send a letter to the president. Read this man's book, fix, his, fix these issues. Because my issues are probably similar to many, many other vets going out there, just mine are mine, and I'm trying to reach out. I'm told it's been... Over 30 years since a veteran has wrote his combat experience, actual combat, in down in writing, uh, because we just don't like talking about it. I never have my whole life except to the trauma specialists and the psychs, and my family members now know because they've read the book. Um, and I don't, when I'm with them, I won't talk about a lot of the parts of the book because I break out, I break down in tears. It's still too hard to talk about. Yeah. Okay. I can imagine it would be, you know, to go through, um, is, is this like repetitive actions going out on at one time? Um, 
over and over again, and you, you're not finding any relief in it. Um, you know, there are a lot of um, people that are out there that are veterans now or maybe in military right now that are out in the field um, that are facing these challenges. What would you say to someone that has um, the um, post-traumatic disorder? What, what should be what would should be one of the first steps they should take? Immediately, they, if mm-hmm. they feel they've got any kind of depression issues, the nightmares, the flashbacks, the anger, the rage, if they notice because of it, get help. Don't be ashamed to go see a psychiatrist. Don't be ashamed at all because they're going to get you to the right people. And in some cases, you may need some meds, and uh, hopefully you can do it without uh, listening to them. These people have the background to bring you down to give you things to help bring you down, to be able to tell your, if it's spouse or somebody around you, to help bring you down if they notice this occurring. You know, my wife knows when she sees me getting tense, I get tense around people. She just starts talking to me, grabs my hand, and walks me away somewhere. So she's done that for many years. Um, As an old man, I'm 72, and I still think, you know, someone gets in my face, I still think I can get in a fight. You know, and kicked her butt. I'm 72 years old. I still, that's not in my head. I still think I, I, I'm in combat. And, and that's mm-hmm. what the, the VA tells me. You never let that go. I'm considered extreme combat rated. It's, uh, it's not a good thing, uh, but it's part of my life. It's my history. It's what I went through, and I battle every day to keep it where it is. Mm. But any veteran, if they have any kind of thing, or a family member notices it, get them to go see someone. Don't let it faster because it's only going to compound. It compounds quicker than it goes away, believe me. And what comes out of that is never good. No, You've got the there... suicides going on. You've got the drug. You don't need that. You want to stop it as quick as you can. And these veterans should get everything if they got it. Make sure it's listed in their record so their cures are for the future. That's very good advice because you have experienced this, so you're saying that they should also make sure they keep every record um, while they're on duty and um, even when they come out from duty. And when they get released, they should ask for a copy of every record they got on themselves, whether it's medical or just their service record. They want a copy and they'll put it on a disk form because that'll have everything and that's their backup for the future. That wasn't available during our Vietnam days. You know, there weren't the computers and all this technology. That's one plus for the young vets today that we didn't have. It was paperwork and a lot of the paperwork in my case in St. Louis got burned up. So getting our backup is really hard to do, if not impossible at times. But they should keep those records for themselves for the rest of their life. And you mentioned your father was Agent Orange. If he hasn't already done, he needs to go to the VA, go to the Agent Orange, ask for the Agent Orange, have his test done, get himself in the system rated. So as things happen, they will cover those costs for those cancers and surgeries and meds. And uh, if he, mm-hmm. he may never get, he may, fortunately, if he's lucky, he won't get attacked. But once it starts, as I've learned, it keeps going through your body until it takes your life. It goes into different parts, the heart, the kidneys, the livers, uh, the lungs, 
Uh, and then eventually it goes in your blood, and when it gets in your blood, they give you your time limit. Then they're going to give you, you've got six months to live, two, up to two years, uh, and that's what's left. It has attacked every part of my body. So that's the message I wait for now. One of these times I'm going to go in, they're going to test me and say, okay, it's now there. It's a cancer that cannot be filtered out of your system, no matter blood transfusions, nothing. You'll always have it, and it just never knows when it's coming out, as they explain it. When it wants to attack something, it just does. There's no warnings. Absolutely. You know, actually, he did um, pass away, and, um, you know, he he had MS. He was he had MS before, and mm-hmm. you're right, it did um, enter into his lungs. So, uh, absolutely, you're totally correct. And um, it, I encourage anyone out there that is facing it, just as um, our guest is saying, get go in and um, follow through with everything that you have available. To, and have access to utilize it and, um, you know, just go through the process as much as possible as you can. And, and again, we do hope that someone will hear and listen to this um, program and that um, there will be a change because um, our veterans, our military personnel have worked very hard for our country, and so we have to do better and and encourage the next generations coming in to feel comfortable with serving our country. Um, Do you have any uh, final words that you would like to share? And before you do that, please share where they can get your book at, how they can get your book. Um, And the book, again, is named In Thy Mother's Honor. In Thy Mother's Honor. Um, please share how they can uh, get the book. All right. Thank you again uh, for your listeners' time, for your time, for allowing me on your show. Uh, the book In Thy Mother's Honor can be bought at Amazon under the book title. You don't need my pen name, just the book title. Or you could be buy it direct from the publisher, and their phone number is 800 788 so that's 800-788-7654. Amazon seems to be the easiest for everyone, but that is a backup. And uh, I'm hoping that everybody will take the time to read the book. There's many lessons to be learned. And I really believe the story in the book is more than just a telltale of war and um, surgeries. It's it's a heartwarming, heart-touching soul, as, as some of the write-ups on the book have been it's one of the best books they've ever read. Uh, it's going to make you feel as if you're part of the whole action, and that was my goal. I want you to live that experience. So when you're around a vet or a traumatic, you know, a young lady going through a battered life or someone who's been raped or a young kid, you know, some of these lessons are good for them because they're dealing with an inner problem also. So there may be so much for so many people out there, and I hope it could help them as well as the other vets around us. And, again, all the young vets, young men and women, make sure you have everything recorded, and when you get out, take a copy of everything. It is your future. We are battling as Vietnam vets because of the way the systems were kept. There's a better system now. Take advantage of it. It's possibly your life as you age, and you need the care that you worked and you earned. 
Very good. Very good. And um, again, the name of the book is called In Thy Mother's Honor. Um, I did see it also on Amazon. And uh, there is a Facebook page, In Thy Mother's Honor, that you can go there as well to find out additional information and to be able to uh, get a book. Did you have something you wanted to say? I'm sorry. No, no, it just, excuse me, like it broke, that's all. Oh, bless you. (laughs) Okay. Bless you again. So um, we, I really do thank you for coming out and sharing. Um, And I'm hoping that, again, someone out there will hear. And if you have any way of uh, helping, um, pen name I am waiting with his uh, circumstances with the VA hospital, please reach out and do so. Um, That is uh, something that we are lacking in the body of Christ. We're missing the point of taking action. We need to start taking action and not laying things um, down and um, just making up uh, stories where we sit down and say that, uh, God is going to take control. God also give us revelation to act on it. So let us get moving, body of Christ, and let's bring change into the world today. In Jesus' name. And I want to thank everyone that uh, is listening in, and we will certainly be keeping you in prayers. Please also keep us in prayers. Again, we'll do that. We want to thank you. And we also, again, want to thank you for coming out and um, to the radio program. Thank you, and thank you guys you. have a thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you, and um, everyone have a blessed and wonderful evening, and our our Lord and Savior. Good night. Good night. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.